We are in uh, Daniel. Uh, we have go- gone through so far um, in the last half of Daniel, the part two, where the, the visions are. There are four major visions that, that Daniel gets over his, you know, his career, and uh, we've covered three of them. And he had the vision, you know, at the, the very beginning, he has the, the four beasts from the sea, right? And talk about those four major empires that were going to rise to the earth before the, the times of the end, with, when the Messiah would come, right? And there'd be a new covenant. And so we see that there was the, you know, we had the, the Babylonian Empire, the Persian Empire, the Grecian Empire. We had the Roman Empire talked about in, in just their nature, right? And these, then we, we saw that the next uh, vision that we receive or Daniel receives is that we have this, this vision of, of um, these uh, uh, goat and this uh, ram, like a unicorn goat flying across and knocking the ram out, right? We see a vision that talks about the, the, the rise of, and, of the Persian Empire and the fall of the Persians to the Greeks. And in that passage, in that vision, we see that, you know, Daniel even names the Persians and the Greeks centuries before the Greeks even become a thing. Oh, that's pretty amazing. And, it, and the nature in which it would rise and the four horns that would come up and how the Greek Empire would be divided after Alexander's death and all of that. Pretty amazing stuff. And then last two weeks we talked about, we got, went through the vision of the, the, the time frame, the 70 weeks, or the 77s that would come between when the temple was going to be, the, the order to rebuild the temple is going to happen, the temple's going to be rebuilt, what it would, and then when the Messiah would come and the ministry would happen, and the new covenant would be established. And we saw how amazing it was that, that he tied all of those things together. And now we begin the very last portion. These last three weeks, we're going to be covering the very last vision. And we call it the vision of the times of the end. And it's pretty amazing. Now, it starts with an interesting conversation. God's purposes and his plans and all these kind of things that he's working out in this world and we see them because God, Jesus came in the flesh, right? It was really here part of it. He created this and, and there is something big going on but this is not the only thing God has created. And the battle is actually goes into areas in which we can't even see ourselves. And so uh, that's what today's actually our memory verse is even about. And we get a picture of this today in this mysterious, mysterious thing. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That's the people. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And it's important for us as believers to get this. Because if we fight the wrong people, the wrong enemy, we fight the wrong battle. And so we're going to talk about this today, and then we're going to go, and we're going to talk about angels today. We're going to talk a little about demons, we're going to, because we get a little glimpse of it here. In your, in your folder here, your, your bulletin, there is a memory verse card, because it's a long one. But isn't it amazing uh, that God gives us a window and says, listen, it's, there's a reason why things happen, and sometimes the reason why things are happening is behind the scenes. And we have to understand that. And it helps us then to engage in the right way, and not to get frustrated at the wrong things. I think it's important. If you spend some time this week, and you memorize that, and you meditate on that particular passage, you're going to notice that the apostle, uh, Paul, who wrote this for us on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, divides up those powers. And there's certain realms in which they work, which is helpful for us. It gives us a little bit, because we don't get a whole lot in Scripture as to how does this all work. 
But it gives you a little bit of an idea, so that way we can understand how we're supposed to respond. And at the end of that, there's an instruction as to what we're supposed to do. And we're going to get to that a little bit today. All right. So, if you have your Bibles, you want to turn to Daniel chapter 10. You're going to notice this is really close to the very end of Daniel, right there. And if you turn the page after you get there, then you have Hosea. So, it's kind of cool. We are, we're working our way through it, and you can see the end. Daniel 10, page 622 on our Bibles, if you have one. If you forgot your Bible or you need a Bible, we've got plenty of in the back. And if you, if you need a new Bible, keep it, our gift to you. Now, as you... Uh, as you Turn there. This is passage describing what's going to occur in later days, right? That's what uh, this is talking about, um, the times of the end. And so there's an understanding of what does that mean, and we'll we'll talk about that. um, But we know this from Daniel's perspective. These were things that were in the future, right? These, from Daniel's perspective, were stuff that he wasn't going to see in his lifetime. And God told him that at the beginning, this particular vision of the times of the end, God's saying to him, listen, this is not going to pertain to you, but I want it written down. It's important for those that <laughs> for are coming. There's, there's a purpose for this. And then he tells Daniel, of course, I want you these things to be sealed up. I want to make sure that you're not going to add to this stuff, these, these particular visions, right? What I've written is what's going to happen, right? And I want them to be preserved. And I want them to be, you know, shared for, so the people in those times can get them. And that's important for us. And so uh, I think that uh, for those reasons, then when we get to these, um, this passage, or uh, the, if you get a, a book that talks about these, or you hear a lot of sermons that oftentimes will say, these are the, it's the vision of the times of the end, right? And that's why it's, it's called that. And uh, I think that's kind of fun. All right, so the time of the end. Is the time of the end when? Is that the end of time? Is it the end of the covenant? Right? There's a, a lot of differing understandings and views amongst Christians, very stolid Christians who believe the Bible, who worship together and all kinds of things as to what directly this pertains to. Um, and I will say there is a little bit of a mystery into it. There are some things in here that are fulfilled, and there are some things that are yet to be filled full, if that makes sense. There are, it's, um, we ought not to debate or just, like, we can discuss as Christians, but recognize that uh, we have to come to this passage, like all Scripture, especially when we're talking about prophecies, with some humility, but also with context. When we go to difficult passages, what we want to do is we want to take the things in Scripture that are easy to understand, and we use those to help us understand the things that are difficult, instead of going the other way around. I think that's a good, healthy way of under. We use that in all the rest of life, too. It gives us context. We also need to make sure that what, when we make an interpretation, we understand things, that we never take something and interpret it in such a way that it contradicts another clear teaching of Scripture, right? Because we get into danger with that. And so there's a, there are some really bad teachings and stuff out there that will create some really weird doctrine on this particular passage that it has, you know, contradicts God's sovereignty or grace or, you know, uh, the ministry of Christ. Those things are... Uh, because they contradict directly the doctrine of, of other places of Scripture, we know those are bad interpretations. But inside of the realm of good interpretation, we say there's some easy things we can understand, we can apply that, that we can understand that there are, are some uh, uh, interesting concepts that don't violate any other clear teaching of Scripture. There's actually there's some room in there. And, and I think in that is, is really awesome that as a church that we can go to the Word and we can discuss it with one another and talk about because this was written for a purpose, right? And I think there was a part that God wanted us to wrestle with the Word. You know, I think there was part of which He wants us to really say, do I see Him, right? 
And I think that you'll find that we all wind up here in the same place. There's a great hope that we have. Um, and uh, it's a good thing because if you think about an unseen enemy, sometimes we people get freaked out. But we don't have to be freaked out that there is a God who is sovereign. So the first thing we notice in Scripture, as we can get to this, this first slide, is that there's a mysterious visitor that shows up. And that's really where we're going to camp out mostly today. In uh, chapter 10, we say, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, um, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belshazzar. Now, uh, he uh, it was a messenger, uh, was true, and it con- uh, the message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. And as I, Daniel, uh, was mourned for three weeks, I ate no, no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until three weeks were over. Right? So for three weeks... He is praying and fasting, and he's doing all kinds of stuff. And this tells us a couple things. The first one is, when did this vision take place, right? Well, it was the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, remember, the last vision that he got was when it was the second year of Darius, right? So now you have the third year, or the first year of Darius. Now you have the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. These guys actually served concurrently. Darius was the king over um, where Babylon used to be, right? Because Persia was a massive empire. Remember that map, how huge it was? Well, the Persians, they divided things up like we have states, and Darius was the one that was king in Persia over Babylon, where Daniel was. And then you have Cyrus, which is like the big boss, right? Like the emperor, right? And he steps up into power in his third year of Persia. Now, this is going to be about three years after the first vision that we had. That's when Cyrus comes in. And so the year is about 535 B.C., best we can tell. And so... We recognize that in this vision, then, the 70 years are up, right? The 70 years of the Jews being in captivity are up. They, they no longer have to be captive in, in Babylon. God is going to send them back to their homeland, right? And so you have this period of time where it's, it's pretty exciting. Daniel is there, and, and the first decree has probably already been given at this point for the people to go back and to rebuild Jerusalem, and to rebuild the temple. And you remember from the previous week, God told Daniel, there's going to be 70 weeks when you hear a decree. (laughs) And whether or not that was a decree where God started the the clock from, Daniel probably thought it probably was, right? It was that basic, that time. And he spends three weeks in prayer and in fasting. Now, most of us, when do we pray and fast? Typically when things are going bad. Right? I mean, really? When was the last time you're like, I just got a promotion. I need to pray and fast over this. Right? God is doing awesome things in Israel. He's proving himself to be faithful. His clock, his plan. is, is And what is Daniel's response? I think the context of time in this is amazing. We find Daniel in prayer and in fasting mourning their own sin, trusting God for the future, even though God has already showed him. I think it's just amazing. And, and why do you say mourning? Why, like, if, if God is doing good things, why mourn? Because he sees the future. The clock is starting. Right? The, he sees that there is going to be an end. There is only a limited period of time. And he recognizes that God's just the one's faithful. He's going to bring about a good end, but he sees in there that his own people will not be faithful all the time. There's a lot of reasons to mourn. It doesn't tell us exactly why he was mourning, but he was mourning. And he was fasting, and he was saying, you know what, I'm going to give up 
some things, my choice food and wine and all of these other stuff. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on God. Oh, that's an amazing thing. And then God sends a messenger to him. Now, he's been mourning and fasting for three weeks. He's, been, he's beside the Tigris River. Now, you think about last time you fasted. It's, you know, three days seems to be, some people like three hours. You know, like, there's a long, three weeks. He's really into this. He's beside this river. So he's right side of Babylon. He's, you know, he's, he's saying, God, I, I want to meet with you. And then he has his visitor show up. And, and it's kind of crazy. It says, on the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river Tigris. And I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen, with a belt of fine gold of Uphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. Now, that's a, that's a pretty awesome figure who shows up. And Daniel, of course, is, is impressed, Right? And so he sees this guy, and we see a couple things. He's clothed in, like, fine linens. This is, like, the best of the clothings, right? This is nice, and it's white, pure, perfect. And he's got this gold belt, not just any gold belt, but from, like, the best gold, right, around his waist. And he's got this, this body that says, like, it's like, it's like a, a transparent gem is what it looks like. And, and hard for us to even get that. His eyes, like lightning. Isn't that cool? I think that's a, that'd be an awesome one to be able to see, like, Right, and his his arms and his his or his uh, his face is like light. His arms, and his eyes are like fire. And then his uh, he's got this this body that's just like crazy cool. And he's got these arms and legs like burnished bronze. Right, they look tough and they're glowy and just amazing. And they have this voice he speaks. It's like like a multitude of people speaking. It's it's like a, a mighty river. Uh, in some translations, like a like rushing water. It's it's an amazing sound. Not like any typical person that you would show up on the street, right? This is a person that would make an impression, and God is making an impression. He's sending a powerful being to give a message. Now, there's another place of Scripture that we see that's, that, that we like this. I think if you, that uh, it's in Revelation. There's a, a passage there that we see a figure that's kind of like that. Now, we'll notice that um, we're going to actually, I'll read that passage in a little bit, but I want to get down to how Daniel responds to this figure first. The first thing that we see is that only Daniel saw this figure, right? Because he has a vision, right? Which is important for us to recognize that God is more than just God in the physical, right? Some people say, until I can see God, it's not real. Well, guess what? Thomas, the apostle, said that, and God showed up in the body and says, guess what? I'm real, right? But he's not only real in the physical. He's God of all things, and so he has, he says, I, was the, Daniel, was the only one in verse 7 who saw this vision. But those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. Just because they couldn't see it didn't mean they couldn't feel it. They knew something was up. Daniel sees it, probably like, whoa. And they're like, this is something not right. And we're gone. And so he says, so I was left alone, gazing at the vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. And then I heard him speaking. And as I listened, I fell into a deep sleep, as my face to the ground. And uh, this is a huge impact. I mean, when you see a vision like this, it's going to hit you. And remember, Daniel's an old guy, right? He wasn't like, you know, his youthful, anything, right? he was old, right? And so he sees this, and he's seen a lot of other things. This wasn't his first rodeo, right? He's seen other visions. But this was something unique. And he's like, oh. 
And he sees it, and his friends run away. He's like, hey, thanks, guys, right? So he's like, ah. And then he says he like, just like, gets weak. Duh. <laughs> I think most people, if you have something like that, have you ever been so terrified you can't move? Yeah, that's, uh, that's the way that was. Okay, so yesterday, I'll tell you a little story. I was driving down to see my son wrestle. And I was driving by um, near the, the church down there that has the cool signs on Highway 66, you know, the big ones there. And there's this car that's in the ditch, and it's rolled a few times, and there's some people standing around it. And there's another car definitely hit it, and it's sitting there, and its, it's, uh, it's trunk, or its hood, that's the front part, was blown off. And there is fire shooting up from, from the thing. And people are just standing there. I have a... Fire extinguisher in my car because my dad makes sure that I always have a fire extinguisher. So I pulled over and <laughs> put the fire out. Well, you have people there that are terrified. They couldn't, they like didn't know what to do. Like they just saw something that was crazy. I think that's the same thing. Like you just see him like this white face, just like I don't know what to do. I think that's Daniel. I think how amazing that is because here's a great prophet, and that's what he has. Just like, uh, and he says he falls in a deep sleep with his face to the ground. Right. Like, did he pass out? I don't know, because he was already in a vision, or did God say, okay, now I'll go to bed, right? I personally like the idea that he passed out. Okay, that's just me. Now, this vision, how it sets up, is a lot like we read in Revelation. So a lot of people see this, and they say, hey, there's a place in the New Testament, the, the Apostle John, right, when he's on the island of Patmos, and he gets out there, he has a vision that's very similar. So let's read it in in Revelation 12. It says this, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and amongst the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. Right, so he looked like a guy. It says, and he was dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, with a golden sash around his chest. And on his head was, uh, on his, his hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like, blazing fire, right? And his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance, like lightning. In his right hand, he held stars, right? it It was a crazy vision. And it's a very similar vision. And because the two are so similar, a lot of people... In the New Covenant, the New Testament, we look back and we have the Bible and we say, hey, that must be Jesus. It might have been. It might not have been. Right? I think there's some things. There's definitely a likeness that happened. It could just be an angel. Um, but I think it's important that there are some similarities there. So if it's not Jesus and apparently people in heaven wear really cool clothes, right, and have bright, shiny faces, if it is Jesus, then it's just cool because he shows up in the Old Covenant. Okay. Now, after we read about this, this visitor who shows up, we have this great kind of eye-opening conversation with him. And it starts in verse 10. It says, And a hand touched me as, uh, and set my, uh, me trembling on, on my hands and knees. So he was on the ground, passed out or just sleeping. And he's like, hey, get up here. So now he's like on his hands and knees. And he's like, oh, you're kind of scary. And it says, he said, Daniel. You, who are highly esteemed, which should put you at ease, right? Consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you. And now I think that was just redundant, because at this point, I think Daniel's going to listen to this guy, but, right? And stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. And then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. 
Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I came in response to them. Now that part is fascinating. From the first day, that was 21 days ago, Daniel starts praying to God. God answers immediately. But like other prayers Daniel had done, God sends somebody immediately. This guy doesn't show up immediately. He's got a delay. Something happened. Right? So, good stuff. The first thing we have is he touched Daniel. That's a sign of affirmation, which I think is important. When God shows up, he's not a God of terror, is he? Sometimes we're terrified of him. But he calls Daniel up and he says, you know what? You're greatly beloved. And there is this relationship that Daniel had with God. And I think that that's important to recognize that. Whether this was Christ or an angel, Daniel's reputation as one who was loved by God was well known. And I think it's cool that in heaven... It matters, our reputation between us and God, right? It's known. And it's important for us to get that because in the unseen battle, it is known. And so we see oftentimes that Christians, especially when somebody's baptized, every time I baptize somebody the first time, I'm always like, your next week's going to be horrible. I'm sorry, right? Enemy's going to come against you. You've got a big target on you now. And it happens every time. Our reputation between us and God is, is known. Okay, so he tells Daniel, stand up. I want you to... I'm giving you dignity, and I want you to get this. So stand up. And he says, and so Daniel stands up. He's still afraid, but he's, he gets it. And then um, we go through, and, and he says, uh, Daniel, I'm, I'm telling you these things, but I want you to stand. I've been sent because the moment that you started praying and humbling yourself, now you get it. Now, have you ever wondered why God's not speaking to you? Are we inviting God to speak to you? I think that's an important thing, right? Daniel he gets a response. God is a God, a conversational God. Daniel's asking, God is sending a response. And so the man, first thing his response was, the first thing he does is say, Daniel, chill, man, it's good. Don't fear. It's good. You're all right. And then he also says, uh, Daniel, I'm coming. You have humility and you have a desire to understand. You want to know these things. It, remember, it's the same Jesus who is also God who said, don't throw pearls before swine. How often do we go before God and we ask him for something, but we're not willing to listen to what he has to say? Right? Like, God, I want an answer to this. Blah, blah, blah. I don't want to listen to what you have to say. I want you to tell me this. Right? God, I'm going to tell you. But Daniel came in humility. He was ready to listen. He says, you want to know this? I will tell you. And so the man explains the delay in verse 13, which is fascinating because we think the angels just like can just pop up here. You know, like, beam me up, Scotty. Right? But then apparently they actually got to travel. Verse 13, it says, But the prince, the reason he wasn't here, I was sent here on the first day to get you, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me for 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained and uh, I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future and in the visions of the time to come. Now he says there's a king of Persia withstood him for 21. Now this was not... Cyrus. It's important for us to get that. He's talking about the princes, like we just memorized, in the unseen world, right? This dark world. There was a prince, oftentimes um, angels are called princes, uh, powerful uh, people, and there was a prince, a, a, some type of power or authority over Persia that resisted this messenger from God. And he kept him from getting there. In fact, he would have kept not being able to get there, except for there's this cool, another angel named Michael who shows up who helps him out. And we say, wow, this, uh, that's pretty awesome. Now, we see that uh, spiritual warfare was taking place. 
right? There was something that Daniel couldn't see. He didn't even know an angel was going to show up, but that was actually happening, and it was very real. And the prince of the kingdom of Persia uh, obviously has a lot of power. And where was Daniel when he was praying this? Persia. That's where he was. That's why the prince of the kingdom of Persia matters in this, right? If he was maybe in Germany, he would have been the prince of the kingdom of Germany to stop them. I don't know, right? But the Persian one was powerful, and that's why the, the princes of this world want to stop the power of God, right? The dark, the enemies, that they try to do it. Okay, so, so Michael comes to help him um, over the powers of Persia. Who is Michael? Well, Michael is one of the chief princes. We have that described uh, in, in uh, several places. We have him, though. He's, he's here. Um, he says, now I was attained, but I have come to explain what happened. Uh, verse 13, then Michael, one of the chief princes. This is like a big-time angel. That's what we call an archangel, right? He's not low on the, on the totem pole. He was a powerful dude. In fact, Michael, um, also in uh, Daniel chapter 10 later on, is called the, the prince of your people, right? He is the archangel over Israel, which is pretty amazing. We find out in Revelation, Michael's one that uh, he was in charge when Satan got cast down, right? In the great angelic civil war. Michael, is the, God didn't even have to throw Satan down, which I think is funny. People say it's God versus the devil. Now, the devil can't stand a chance against God, but against its own kind. God will let you know, the angels fight the civil war. Michael was apparently the general in charge when Satan got cast down. So this is a powerful angel, and he's a big guy. And he's important. And so here we have this majestic being saying, I couldn't make it, but Michael helped me. And he showed up. And uh, we also find Michael one other place in Scripture I think is interesting, is God sent Michael to go and to hide the body of Moses. Isn't that cool? So that people wouldn't make Moses an idol? That's awesome. Okay, so we get to the next thing we have in there. And uh, he came so that Daniel would understand, Right? So Michael shows up, and there's this big civil war, and he says, I've come now to explain to you what's going to happen uh, to your people, people of Israel, that's important, in the future. For the vision is concerned a time yet to come, right? A time in the end. And so we recognize that uh, this is going to refer to the latter days, something that's going to happen in the future. Daniel knows this is not for him. Then we get to verse 15. If we get there, it says, uh, While he was saying this to me, I bowed my face towards the ground, and I was speechless. Right, So we have this effect on Daniel where he recognizes there's a lot more going on than he got, than he understood previously. And he's like, I don't even know what to say about this. And you might be feeling the same way yourself. Right? That's okay. And then, verse 16 says, Then the one who looked like the man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. And I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord. I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, Talk with you, my Lord. My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Right? I think, you know, the angel's wanting to tell him, and Daniel's just got so caught up with the fact that there's this powerful being that's there and talking to him, and that God is doing big things, he's kind of paralyzed. And that's not why the angel came, which would be frustrating for the angel, I would think. But oftentimes, I think we're the same way. Right? Sometimes we get, I remember when I was a young Christian and I first started learning the, about angels. And There's not a whole lot in Scripture that talks about uh, angelic warfare. There was this guy that wrote books a long time ago named Frank Peretti. I never read his stuff because it would just freak me out, right? Because my friends would tell me about it. But when I first started about this, you know, like, I could just like sense a demon behind every rock. Right? I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And God's there. 
And I got paralyzed instead of actually carrying out the message that I had. And this, so we have to make sure that we don't fall into the same trap. It's understandable. But I love how the angel helps him get past this. Or this being says, all right, I get it. You're, you're gonna, I blew your mind. Okay, but there's something that you need to understand. Okay, so we get there and he says, this is, this is what he does. Uh, he says, again... The one looked at me, the one looked like a man, touched me and gave me strength. And he says, do not be afraid. You are highly esteemed, he says. Peace, be strong now, be strong. God affirms, right? He's like, all right, man, man up, right? You're good. I told you, don't be afraid. You know that our God has given us that same word of peace? He sent Jesus, right? And he said, you know what? Your sins are forgiven. If You're saved by grace through faith, right? Peace, you're good. There's something that God wants you to do. And even Jesus, I mean, we, he says, listen, don't be afraid of this world. Don't be afraid. I've overcome it. And we find later in Scripture, it says, you know what? He who's in you is greater than he who's in the world. So we don't have to be freaked out. We just have to be aware. And that's what Daniel gets here as he's reminded that, uh, that he's okay. Okay, so then we, we go on. We keep reading here. And it says, uh, when he spoke to me, I was strengthened. So that's what happens. And uh, verse 20 he says, he said, do you know why I have come to you? Which is a silly question, right? Because Daniel should have known because he'd been praying about it for 21 days. But at the same time, when you're faced with that kind of, you're like, uh, maybe I don't, okay? He says, soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia, and when I go, the prince of Greece will come. So I love it that angels also have a schedule, right? You ever think about that? Like they've, He's like, I don't have all this time for you being weak, dude. I've, soon I've got to go. I've got to go fight that prince, right? And when I do, guess what's going to happen? I'm going to be fighting back the prince of, of Persia, and then Greece is going to come, just like your visions told you he would. Right? Angels got, they've got stuff to do, right? His schedule's booked. So it's like he's got something important he wants Daniel to get in this time, right before this all starts to go down. And uh, verse uh, uh, 21, he says, But first, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. And I think this is really cool in that, where is the book of truth? Isn't that an interesting thing where you read about this? Like, what is this book of truth and where is it? Because the Bible was being written, right? Daniel is in the Bible, right? There are some things that are there. Uh, The New Testament, of course, hasn't been written yet. What is the book of truth? I don't know, but I've read a lot of really cool theologians that thought about this and have some really cool ideas about it. my favorite of these, though, it just points to that fact that God has the end written from the beginning because he's telling him what's going to happen, right? The book of truth, what actually is. And he's going to tell Daniel what was already written. It was already penned down, not penciled, sketched in, right? God said, this is the way the world is going to happen, and it's there. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to reveal it to you. And then, I love this parenthetical thought that the angel throws in there. He says, no one... Uh, supports me against them except Michael, your prince. <laughs> I love that. Because he's like, you know what? I'm coming here. I'm helping you out. I've got stuff to do. And just, just so you know, no one else helped me but Michael, your prince, did. <laughs> right? Like a, like a little jab on the, I don't know, the Irish angel or something. I don't know what he was doing. Okay. And it says, and I took my stand to support and protect him. So they're working together. And... Uh, 
So we have this, this amazing conversation, and then he's going to go on after verse 2, and he's going to start talking to them about this vision of the end. Of course, we're going to talk about that next week because I spent a lot of time talking about the angel. But there's some amazing things that we, we find in here, right? These that, you know, oftentimes um, we, I think we can gloss over this particular thing. But I'll understand that the Bible doesn't talk a bunch about spiritual warfare. It really doesn't. There's a few things in there that talk about the angels and demons. I think it's important to that is that God doesn't want us to be preoccupied with them, right? They have a battle going on. Apparently, they, they're, they're working it out, right? The angels are fighting other demons, right? They're helping each other. They're supporting one another. They're resisting each other, right? There's a clash going on that's out there. But he reveals enough for us to engage in the right things because their battle affects us, doesn't it? And so we recognize that uh, some powerful truths in this particular passage, that uh, spiritual warfare is real. It's there. It doesn't, it's not just for crazy people, right? It's not just for people that are, you know, like uber-spiritual, whatever. It happens. We see that in the Word. Uh, we see that, that there are powers and principalities and things at work that affect this world. There are princes, apparently, over nations. Um, I think it was interesting, the whole concept. You ever heard of, like, a guardian angels? And in this study, I got to do some things. There are places in Scripture that talk about angels and things like this. And the idea, the concept of guardian angels is really kind of stitching a lot of kind of those things together. But this was one of them where it talks about there's an angel guarding your nation. That we have, God has set his powers. There's a battle going on for the soul of the world. And however it affects us, it does, right? And they rise up. And, but this is their kingdom because they've been cast out of, of the heavens. And so... We see that there, there are chief princes, there are, um, there are bad guys out there, dark forces, and we see that they affect this world, this evil world, like our memory verse, and they also affect the heavens. I also recognize that they interact with us in a certain degree. Right? Not only do they affect us, but they interact with us. God sent this angel to us when it was needed. Right? And so it tells us that we're supposed to know, uh, we're supposed to know that we're, we're not just battling against stubborn people. Because sometimes the things that are happening in a nation, when a nation seems to go really dark, when it starts, when, when uh, it seems like evil is on the move, right? It's not just one bad leader or one bad person that's out there. Sometimes there's a spiritual battle that is going on that is much bigger and much deeper. And it's important for us to realize that not just on a national level, but on an individual level as well. There are times that we were trying to talk with somebody, and we might be resisted by not just the person, but there might be a, a spiritual resistance that's happening with them. Sometimes they're being fooled or deluded. Sometimes they're just being oppressed. These things happen. Now, they're not supposed to... The second thing I think is that, that spiritual warfare is real, but it's not... It, it shouldn't terrify us because we can't see it. Oftentimes we get terrified. We see people fighting each other all the time, don't we? We see resistance. Politics are politics. Battle is battle, right? And to recognize this is just part of... These are created beings created by God acting like created beings. And there is still something written in the book of truth that even these angels can't stop. Right? God's sovereignty is, is unmatched. But because this exists, we have to recognize that, that there are ways that we're supposed to respond knowing that the battle is bigger than most of us get. You can't just go out into this world and feel like I can convince enough people about Jesus, right? I can just talk to them. I can live righteously. Then we're going to... No, there's a deeper battle going on. We have to engage the whole battle, which is why we have that, that verse in Ephesians 6 that we memorized. But at the beginning of it, it says, it says, so put on the full armor of God. 
right? So because we know there's this battle that's out there, God says armor up. There are ways that we can be defended against this so that we can engage the right thing because the battle is not against flesh and blood, as so many think, which is why as Christians we don't go and retaliate when we feel wronged, right? The battle is not against just people. So it says, put on the full armor of God. And it says, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our, strength, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Armor up. That's what it calls us to do, right? And I think Daniel was kind of at the very first stage of that. Right? He gets raised up. His eyes are open like, man, there's more going on. We don't have to be afraid, but we do need to respect that it's there, and we need to armor up. Well, how do I do that? Well, read Ephesians 6. That's going to be a way for you to recognize how we do it. But it starts with putting on the helmet of salvation. Because I'll tell you, if you're not in God's kingdom, uh, the armies of God's kingdom are not on your side, right? They're not there to defend you. They're... But you need to start with the helmet of salvation. It means comes to Jesus, come to him in faith, be saved by God's grace through faith, right? And that's kind of the very first thing it begins with. The rest I'll let you read. And actually that becomes part of what we could do this week as our next steps. How do you apply? It's a weird passage to try to think of like what are next steps, applications to that? But I have some. I thought long and hard and prayed long and hard about this. That's what we can do. The first thing is memorize our, our passage, and I have the wrong uh, one in here. I have Ephesians, or, yeah, Ephesians 6. So memorize our passage this week. Why? Because you need to know what's, uh, where the battle really is. You need to recognize that there are, there, there's a way that it works, and so there's a way that we can contradict it, right? But it also keeps us from being frustrated by the wrong things. So maybe that's what you need to memorize. The second thing you do is to read Daniel 10. Maybe you want to read the whole chapter. You're going to get some, some preview of what we're going to be talking about next week as well, some of the stuff that will happen there. The third thing I think that you might want to commit to this week is to pray. And the reason I want you to pray is this. It makes a difference in the spiritual realm, doesn't it? Right? When the angel was sent is when Daniel started to pray. We find other places in Scripture that our prayer actually makes a difference in that battle. I think it's pretty awesome. What do you pray for? Well, maybe you could start like Daniel was in prayer and fasting. And grief says, you know what, God, I need direction and guidance for what you want in my life. Or maybe there's a, there's a person that has just been driving you nuts. You're like, God, I want them in your kingdom. <laughs> there's a hard, hard pray there. Right? Whatever it is where you feel the battle line is in your life, where that point of pressure or tension is in your spirit, pray there. And if you don't feel any pressure or tension in your life, maybe you need to pray against comfort. I'll tell you, if you want to take it to the next level, you can join our prayer team. Either one of the most effective and most important ministries in the church are our prayer warriors. And that's exactly what they are. We've seen God do awesome things, haven't we? From healed people to restored relationships to, I mean, just miracles. Well, that doesn't just happen. Prayer makes a difference. And if you feel called to be part of that, you can write on your thing, I'd like to be in the prayer ministry, and we'll put you on there. And every week you'll get an a, a email that talks about we're, what people here or our church says, we would like the prayer ministry to pray for, but throughout the week, if there are emergency things that come up, uh, we pray about that. I'll tell you what, one thing that happened this week, my wife got sick, she had to go to the hospital. Every time she's been in the hospital, it's always two weeks. We asked the prayer team to pray. She was out in two days. Think about that. It matters. So if you want to do that, this is a good thing to do. The next one you can do is prepare. Prepare for battle. If you're going to go into battle, suit up. 
where you have to suit up, well, read Ephesians 6. It tells you how to put on the armor of God. It tells you what it is. Uh, it, you, you know, you, gotta have, you have to have righteousness and truth, right? You need to know the word, which is why we're reading the Bible throughout the year. It's why we, all this kind of, there's some important things that you, we need to do every day to be ready to engage in this, uh, to be effective. So those are the things that now I would ask you to put your commitments down there. If you've got a prayer request, this is a great time for you to write your prayer request down as well, because we do pray for you, and God does answer. He does amazing things. And then here in a minute, we take our tithes and our offerings. You take this card and put it in the offering basket along with your gifts and your tithes. Uh, uh, we will uh, be happy to... Uh, to make sure that we pray for you and support you this week. All right, so let's do that. First, let's pray for our offerings and for our commitments. God, thank you for the fact that you're bigger than the one that's in this world. I find great peace in that. Father, I thank you that there is a book of truth, that there is a, a book that describes reality as it is. And, and Lord, the end has been known, and you, uh, and you win. In fact, you have already won. And that you've called us yours, and you've even in your great sovereignty, you give us this great free will as well, which is a, to follow you and, and to be faithful. And so, Father, I pray that we would bend our knee to you, uh, that you are worthy, and that you are mighty, and that you are powerful, but you're also good. Lord, let us not be afraid of the, the dark forces, but instead, Father, let us be wise. Help us to put on your armor. Lord, let us uh, resist. The, the dark forces, the principalities, Father, in this world, dark world. And, and Father, I pray that, uh, that your kingdom come and it would be established and indestructible in us, but, Father, also through us here in this portion of, of, of this world that you've given us to be your missionaries. I pray, too, Father, for our commitments, our tithes, and, Father, um, I pray, too, for for your protection this week as we go and we keep these things that uh, Lord that you would prove yourself true and uh, that you would overcome the evil one Lord we ask all of this in the wonderful name of our Savior Jesus Amen Mm -hmm.